You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Sai, what is your favorite tree? Um, I don't know, maybe oak. Oaks are very cool. I think my favorite is probably a magnolia or maybe a birch. I like the white bark. And I love trees, and it's clear our listeners love trees, too. Of all of the questions listeners have sent into Brains On, questions about trees are the most common. How long does it take for a tree to grow? How do trees give off oxygen? How do leaves grow on trees? How do trees grow? We're going to tackle those questions right now. Keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from NPR News and Southern California Public Radio. I'm your host, Molly Bloom, and here with me today is nine-year-old Cy Severns Gunsel from Minneapolis. Hi, Cy. Hi. We have a lot of questions to answer today, so we should get started. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Here's our first question. My name is Caden, and my question is, how do trees grow? Hello. My name is Henry Mello. My question is, how do leaves grow on trees? To find out the answer, Molly and I went to the University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum to talk with somebody who studies trees. Horticulturist Mary Meyer told us we're only seeing part of the growth process. There are basically three ways that it grows. Out in the very tiny tips of the branches, it's elongating out there with new growth every year. And if you look closely, you can see at the tip of the branch what's new for every year. And the second way it grows is around the stem, where the special tissue we call cambium gets bigger and bigger and bigger and makes rings. And we know that you cut a tree down, you can count the rings, or you take a core out of a tree and you can count the rings. So it gets wider and wider. And the third way is the roots. The roots get longer and longer and longer and bigger around, both down there. And we can't see that, but that's happening at the same time. That's a lot of growing. But all that growth starts with a single seed. Inside the seed is an embryo. That eventually grows into a tree. And the endosperm. That's built in energy so the embryo can grow even before it has leaves or roots. The embryo takes that energy from the endosperm and grows a shoot and a root. The root sucks up water. And the shoot grows leaves that eventually absorb light. And the tree starts to grow. Roots are super important to trees, but since we can't see them, we sometimes forget about them. The majority of their roots Roots are in the top three feet of soil. So three feet of soil, but they are way, way out from here. So mostly roots are growing lengthwise. And roots are important because they provide the tree with water. How in the world does the water get from the soil, the moisture, into that root and all the way up to the top of the trees? And that's a long way. And so it's these very, very narrow columns of water that have this pressure behind them. And it's, it's kind of like a big, long tube. And then we know that the evaporation goes out of the uh, leaves, and that actually pulls up the water from the roots. So it's this big tension and columns of water, you know, hundreds and thousands of them going up to support the trees. Kind of like sucking water up through a straw, and the root is covered with tiny root hairs to help them absorb the water. So you'll have the actual root itself, and then coming out sideways will be hundreds and hundreds of these tiny root hairs, so that there are many, many, many cells where the water can come in that way. And then it gets in those bigger vascular tubes that are like straws. 
That's cool, but that's not as cool as the photosynthesis. The photosynthesis is the coolest thing, to take the energy of light and make that into sugar. So that, that's the most fascinating thing about plants. That's why I got into studying plants. I thought, how can plants do that? Good question, Mary. Photosynthesis is really cool. It's how plants make all the energy they need to grow. And it actually provides the answer to a question we get all the time. Hi, Molly. My name is Judas and I'm seven years old. My question is, how do trees give off oxygen for us to breathe? My name is Beckett. My question is, how do trees make air for us? Hi, my name is Gio. Today my question is, how do trees make oxygen for us to breathe? And what better way to find the answer than by going to the source? Welcome back to Cooking with Kathy. For this next segment, we have a very special guest. She's here to show us how to prepare her very favorite meal, Willow. Hi, Kathy. Thank you for having me. What a treat. The treat is ours, Willow, and a tree treat at that. It's not every day you have a tree in the studio. Now, I'm hoping you have a delicious cupcake recipe up your sleeve because I am ready to eat. Not a cupcake, Kathy, but something equally delicious in my mind. Glucose. Glucose. Okay. Well, you see, as a tree, I'm able to make my own food using some of the things that are all around. Light water, and, uh, hey, exhale over here. (sighs) Carbon dioxide, like the kind you just breathed out now. One of the key ingredients on my list. Do you want to see the rest of my recipe? Okay, then. So, you need six parts water, six parts CO2, that's short for carbon dioxide. Uh, Kathy, will you do the honor again? (sighs) Plus, a dash of sunlight. Um, Kathy, would you mind opening the curtains to let the sun in? Sure, here you go. Now, you can't do this with just your normal kitchen tools. You'll need some special equipment. For our pot, we'll use this chloroplast. Oh, where can I pick up some chloroplast? It's part of plant cells. Sorry to break it to you, Kathy, but chloroplast isn't sold in stores. But I'm full of it. Do tell. This chloroplast is full of chlorophyll. That's a green pigment. Like green food dye? Not quite. Chlorophyll lets me absorb the light I need for my glucose recipe. And light is basically energy, so it gives chlorophyll a boost of energy as well. This causes a chemical reaction that helps break apart the H2O water molecules. Now, as you know, H2O is shorthand for a combination of hydrogen and oxygen. When the H2O breaks apart, it leaves hydrogen and oxygen molecules. Oh, I just love oxygen! Well, I don't need the oxygen, so I put that out in the atmosphere for you to enjoy. Willow, I'm coming for your trunk. You deserve a big hug for all that oxygen. Thanks! Uh, You're welcome. Uh, Where was I? Well, I think that you just broke apart the water molecules into hydrogen and oxygen. Right. And since you get the oxygen, that leaves us with this delicious hydrogen and the carbon dioxide that you so kindly provided when you exhaled. The energy from light reactions helps us combine the hydrogen and carbon dioxide into... Cupcakes? Well, it is sweet like cake, but not quite. We come out with C6H12O6, or glucose, you know, sugar. Yum, that is incredible. Big round of applause for Willow the Tree and her glucose treats. When we come back from commercial, it's time for What's That Smell? Our regular segment when we smell my leftovers and decide if I should eat them or throw them out. Stay tuned.
before we tackle any more of these questions, we have an important task ahead of us. It's time for the mystery sound. Here it is. So that was a short one. So we heard two clips of the same thing. Do you have any guesses? Um, like a leaf blower or a leaf sucker or something. Okay. So you think leaves are involved? Yeah, probably. Okay. We're going to come back to that later in the show with the answer. Or, or oh. maybe like the leaf. Or maybe like a tree in a storm. Oh, that's also a good guess. We'll mm-hmm. find out the answer in just a little bit. <laughs> Do you have a mystery sound you want to share with us? A question you want to hear answered on a future episode? Or maybe you just want to say hi? Email us. We're at brainson at m as in Minnesota, pr.org. And hey, if you're interested in getting an email from us, we can promise that we send really good ones. They include updates from the show, links to cool science videos, and ideas for experiments you can try at home. Sound fun? Well, then just sign up for our newsletter. Find it on our website at brainson.org. While you're there, you can also listen to past episodes and see some cool photos and videos. And, of course, we're on Instagram and Twitter at brains underscore on. And really, nothing makes us happier than hearing from you. Your amazing questions, mind-melting mystery sounds, and fun photos are the sunshine, water, and carbon dioxide to this show. So here is the most recent group of Brains Honor Rollies. The kids who keep this show going. Indiana from Seattle, Henry from Denver, Eva and Joshi from New Zealand, Isla, Laurel, Owen, and Elliot from Fayetteville, North Carolina, Audrey from Jonestown, Pennsylvania, Catherine from Damascus, Maryland, James and Clara from Malibu, California, Polly from Los Angeles, Kyle and Xavier from Berkeley, California, Madeline and Jackson from Pendleton, Indiana, Sophie Rose from Orlando, Elias and Vivian from Amherst, Massachusetts, Andrew from Latrobe, Pennsylvania, Beckett from Atlanta, Laith from Washington, D.C., Mackenzie from St. Paul, Frank from Minneapolis, Cade from the Woodland. Texas, Kean from Madison, Wisconsin, Sam from Los Angeles, Claire from Fort Worth, Sierra and Tenzin from Alameda, California, Leon from Jacksonville, Florida, Josh and B from Ypsilanti, Michigan, Parker and Ella from Rio Rancho, New Mexico, and Annika from Ridgefield, Washington. You're listening to Brains On from NPR News and Southern California Public Radio. I'm Molly Bloom. And I'm Cy Severance Gunsel. We're answering your many tree questions today. Next up, evergreens. Amelia wrote in with the question, why do evergreens stay green all year? The needles of evergreens, also known as pine trees or coniferous trees, they stay green all year. Sort of. I spoke with Kyle Gill, a forest researcher from the University of Minnesota, and he said evergreens do lose their needles. They just don't lose them for the winter. So like with a a broadleaf tree or deciduous tree, they lose their leaves that we see every fall, and then they put them on again the next year. Um, With evergreens, they actually retain those needles for two to three years usually, but then they end up losing them. Sometimes at this time of year, you see the red needles that are kind of closer towards the uh, stem. And those are usually the needles that they're then losing for the year. They use them a little bit during the winter. They're ready to be photosynthetically active, but for the most part, they're in kind of a, a reduced activity state. A lot of that has to do with their roots being locked up in the frozen ground. Right now is the time to see new needles growing. If you look at a lot of the evergreens around the cities, you see the kind of lighter green that are coming out from the ends of the stems. 
and those are this next wave of needles. So they'll put new needles on every year. They'll put them on in, in basically a cohort or a group like they're doing now, this new growth, and they, they tend to lose them kind of all at the same time for those cohorts. Pine trees do lose their needles, but the cycle is just much longer than trees that lose their leaves every fall. And it doesn't lose all of its needles at once, so that's why it always seems to be green. It's kind of like your hair. All of your individual hairs have a cycle of growing and falling out. That's why some might come out when you brush your hair. But they don't all fall out at the same time. But what's happening when tree leaves and needles change color? I asked Mary Meyer from the Arboretum to explain. What we think is that most of that color is already in there. And there's just less of it than the green chlorophyll. And so in the fall, when the chlorophyll starts to die and degrade, all of a sudden we see the yellow and the orange and the purple colors that were there all the time. So those other pigments actually can photosynthesize also, but not as well as chlorophyll does. So the colors are there. It varies by species and kind of tree, uh, but they're there and we just see them then in the fall. Ready to go back to the mystery sound? Let's yep. hear it again. Any other guesses? No. You're going to stick with your yeah. blowing through the leaves? Mm-hmm. Here with the answer is producer Sandon Totten. Hi, Sandon. Hey, Molly. That is the sound of trees burning in a wild forest fire in my home state of California. We'll talk more about fires in just a minute. Are you surprised by that, Sai? Fire? Why? Does it sound like fire to you now that you heard it? I don't really... Yeah, but it doesn't really make sense. Oh, well, we're going to tell you. It, it'll make sense in a minute. Just hang on. Fire <laughs> on, a, on a tree episode. We're going to talk more about fires in just a minute. But first, Sandin is going to answer the final question that we're going to tackle today from Rada in Atlanta. How long does it take for a tree to grow? Trees can grow up for a really long time, depending on the type. Some live decades. Some live hundreds of years. And then there's Methuselah. Methuselah? Yeah, Methuselah is a bristlecone pine tree living in California's White Mountains, and it's believed by many to be the oldest tree in the world. Go ahead, guess its age. 1,000 years? Molly? Ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go lower. I'm going to say like 600. Okay, good guesses, but this tree is more than 4,800 years old. I was <laughs> That's a closer. lot of birthday candles. <laughs> that is a I lot was of, closer. You were closer. <laughs> right. So this is a very old tree, and it's lived this long in part because it's in a remote area on this windy, barren mountain high up in the hills, and not a lot can reach it or mess with it there. But other trees, they often live until they die, and they often die because of things like they run out of water, they run out of nutrients, maybe they die when an insect or a disease gets them. They could be struck by lightning, they could be chopped down by humans, and sometimes they just get really old and heavy, and then they fall over. And of course, some die in forest fires. Yeah, yeah. Where I am in California, we have lots of forest fires. But here's the thing. In some ways, forest fires are actually good for the forest. How are they good? They do kill a lot of plants. And yeah, they're dangerous for animals and people. But they also help get rid of a lot of the dead material that sits on the forest floor. And once all that stuff is cleared out of the way, it's all burned off, new plants can grow there. And then some trees actually need a forest fire to help them reproduce. Right, like the jack pine in Minnesota. And the giant sequoia near me in California. 
I spoke with Dominic Papilla, a ranger at Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. He said these trees have like a really thick bark. It's kind of like armor, sometimes three feet deep. And the bark is full of a chemical called tannic acid. And that basically keeps the trunk from burning. It's kind of a chemical that makes the trunk fireproof. So the plant is actually fine during a fire. But Papilla said that all that heat actually triggers a special reaction in the cones up above in the sequoia tree. It's the heat that rises up from a fire and envelops all the cones on the trees and the canopy. And by doing so, it dries those cones out and opens them. And when these cones open, of course, they release their seeds. And so millions of seeds are kind of raining down from the canopy during a forest fire. And he says each tree can have upwards of 30,000 of these cones. And Papia says around a fire, there's often lots of wind and weather, and that can scatter all these tiny seeds. These seeds, they're about the size of, the, of a grain of oatmeal. And they have one dark black line to the center that's really like the lifeline of the seed. And the other light brown parts of the seed are really the wings, so to speak, and they carry the seeds on a breeze and they'll move around the grove. Sometimes these tiny seeds can fly hundreds of meters this way. So it's kind of like imagine, you know, all these seeds are like little paratroopers in waiting. The heat opens the door, gives them the signal, and then it's like, go, 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 go. And they'll like jump out and glide and fly off to settle their own patch of land somewhere. Well, then why aren't there trees everywhere? That's a very good question. Only a small number of these seeds actually grow into a tree. A lot of them just never find a good spot of land. They don't get enough nutrients. Maybe they get eaten by a hungry critter. So it takes millions of seeds like this to just get a couple trees going. But since the fires burned off most of the other plants on the ground, wherever they land, those seeds that do make it get into the soil and germinate, they're going to have very little competition. That's amazing. So the trees basically take advantage of the fire's destruction. Yeah, exactly. And trees, you know, they can't walk like you or me. So they need kind of clever systems like this to spread their seeds around. Sai, can you think of other ways that uh, trees spread their seeds? Um, Maple trees um, drop helicopters. That's right. They drop little seeds with with helicopter-like wings and they kind of sputter off into the distance. That's a good one. Some trees, you know, they actually grow fruit which is delicious, and animals love to eat it. And then the animals eat the seeds and then walk away and go somewhere else and poop the seed out somewhere else, and the tree can grow there. So that's one way to spread. Other seeds, they have these like tiny hooks like Velcro, and they latch onto animals, and they can hitch a ride for a long distance and then go populate some other place that way. One of my favorite seeds is the coconut, which, you know, it's a round, big, heavy ball. It falls from a tree, it rolls down into the ocean, and it floats. And it just floats off to a tropical island somewhere else and washes up on the shore and becomes a tree there, which sounds like a pretty nice way to start your life to me. A tropical beginning sounds awesome. Thanks, Andon. You're welcome, guys. Obviously, trees are really creative about the ways they spread their seats. Now it's your turn. We want you to think up some cool ways for seeds to travel far and wide. Maybe a seed with wheels attached to it. Or a seed that jumps or swims. Invent a seed and draw a picture. Then send it to us. We'll post our favorites. Trees are very cool and very important. Through photosynthesis, they make food for themselves. And take the carbon dioxide that we produce. And turn it into the oxygen we need to breathe. The energy they get through photosynthesis helps them grow. Trees use lots of techniques to make sure their seeds spread out and grow into new trees. And those seeds come packed with all the energy that new trees need to start growing. That's it for this episode of Brains On. 
This episode was produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandon Totten, and Molly Bloom. Many thanks to Rick Stossel, Chris McElraft, Robin Elms, Becky De Merrill, Lila Retnasaba, Juanito Velasco, Jeff Severins-Gunsel, Lorna Benson, and Delia Bloom. You can hear past episodes of Brains On at our website. Brainson.org. Or in your favorite podcast app. And if you're a fan of Brains On, consider leaving a review in iTunes. It really helps other kids and parents find out about the show. And you can keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Brains underscore on. Or by subscribing to our newsletter. And you can always send your questions, mystery sounds, and high fives to us by email. That's brainson at m as in Minnesota, pr.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.